This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm your host, Jordana Levine, and today I have another interview in ISO for you. In this episode, I chat with Emmy Ray from The Daily Rest. Emmy is a yoga teacher, rest specialist, and human design practitioner who devotes her time to teaching people how to rest. After sensing a deep need for rest, quiet, and internal reflection within her own life, but also society as a whole, Emmy has focused much of her attention in teaching yoga on the spacious, otherworldly practice of deep restoration. In this conversation, we challenge what it means to rest, how we benefit from true rest, and how we can integrate more rest into our lives. We talk about the difference between restorative yoga and a yin yoga practice. And I also chat briefly to Emmy about human design and how we can use it to figure out how much rest we need according to our type. If you enjoy the conversation, please take a screenshot on your phone and tag me at Jordana Levine and Emmy at The Daily Rest. What I'd like to start off with, which I've been asking everybody during these um, interviews in ISO, yes. is, is how are you spending, how are you spending um, self-isolation at the moment? Yeah, okay, so it's so interesting, like... Um, when isolation started, it was uh, like I came back from Bali with my partner. So we were in Bali when it all started. And so we had two weeks just unable to leave the house at all, just the two of us. And that was how we started. Um, and so now isolation feels really free just because I can go outside. Yeah. It just feels so great and easy and it still does. Um, and I guess the way that I'm spending isolation is spending a lot of time practicing like it's almost like if I add it up I feel like my yoga meditation journaling exercise like all the things that you do are taking up like three hours of my day yeah Um, which is so indulgent in a way but also much needed it's totally it's like so indulgent on one hand on the other hand when I'm sitting down to do work or like doing readings or teaching a live class I feel so much more on and just so much more yeah, like energized and clear and nothing really feels very forced. So yeah. it's just so interesting. Yeah, I, I have to agree, actually. It's like what I've really noticed during this time is the 
little pockets of productivity um, are so much more productive than they once were, even though there's so much more time to get stuff done. I'm actually getting stuff done in this like really small increment. So there's all this other time to just, yeah, like you said, Mm -hmm. practice yoga or meditate or rest. Yes. Yeah. So rest is what I do want to talk to you about today because you are the queen of rest (laughs) and, and you've been talking about it for a while now. Like it's become your thing. So how did, how did rest become such a big part of the work that you do? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. It's like, you know, I really feel that I'm the last person who would ever be teaching this, which I guess is what many of us end up doing, teaching the thing that we really needed to learn. Um, really struggle with and really it it kind of began after I did my first yoga teacher training and I was like so into the teacher training it was just like you know the most passion I think I'd ever had in my life and I'm like a very passionate person kind of all into this one five-month period and I had all the hopes and dreams of becoming like the coolest vinyasa teacher ever you know (laughs) like the really cool playlist like the good beats and like you know, the handstands and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I taught my first class to, you know, the other students on the training and they were all like, oh my goodness, you would make such a beautiful yin teacher. Oh, you're so kind. And I, you know, I was teaching a vinyasa class. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I was so, like, I, I wanted to cry. Like I yeah. really just wanted to break down and cry. And they were being really sweet, but I was just really shattered. And um, that's almost where it started because almost just from that moment, as soon as I finished my teacher training, people were asking me to teach yin and restorative, and I'd never actually really even practiced. I'd never practiced restorative um, when people started asking me to teach it, and I had very little experience with yin. So because I was so determined to be a you know, kick-ass yoga teacher, mm. I went and did a yin training just so I could get my foot in the door and, and take the opportunities. Um, and then kind of through that, I realized how deficient I was um, in those, those kind of practices. And, um, yeah, they began, I began to practice them so I could teach them and so much changed for me by just like spending time doing nothing, um, every single day. It was just insane. Let's talk about that. What, what changes did you notice? You know, it's so interesting because at the beginning, when I started practicing this kind of stuff, it's almost as if, yeah, sure, I had more energy, definitely, like, you know, that that's a thing, but almost that I had more clarity, and I was able to see things, you know, for an example, a really terrible relationship I was in, I was able to see that situation uh, much more clearly, and was able to remove myself from it, um, and I felt that really through the practice of of doing nothing and and taking stock and stepping back, of course, alongside a few other things, I also, you know, in a roundabout way, kind of grew more confidence um, and more kind of sense of who I actually was and what I actually wanted to offer and to teach and what was important to me, um, which was quite big after a life Mm -hmm. of always wanting to uh, please other people, which I think many of us uh, experience. Absolutely. Please other people and I guess kind of um, morph ourselves and shift ourselves and change ourselves to be what we think other people want us to be or need us to be. Yes, so spot on. Yeah. So what do you you think that it means then to truly rest, like to truly be in a restful state? Mm 
Yeah, this is such a good question um, because it's often not what we think. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I try and like talk about this a lot because, um, you know, what happens is, you know, someone might try and do a rest pose or come to a restorative class. And uh, most of us, like I would say probably 90% of people struggle you know, we struggle to like lie down and do nothing and um, not even feel a stretch in the body, kind of just really be very uh, still. And, um, you know, really what true rest is, is the body being physically at ease, like physically relaxed. So using, putting the body in a position where you don't feel a stretch, you don't feel sensation, you're not doing, you're not like walking or anything like this. And then the second point is that you're not taking in new information, Mm. right? So you're not listening to something. You're not, um, you know, even the eyes really almost do have to be covered because light is such a strong information source and such a strong nervous uh, system stimulus that really to experience true rest, not only does the body have to be at ease, we have to kind of yeah, like switch off the senses in a way. Um, but the the third piece, which I think is the most surprising, is that your mind can still be busy and resistant and, you know, throwing things at you. Mm. And it still counts, right? Because often we tend to think like, oh, I can't relax. Oh, you know, I'm not very good at that. I can't switch my mind off. I'm not that kind of person. And um, that's just not true. Um everyone can rest, everyone can relax. It's kind of, it's wired into our system. We're just not used to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we're lying on the couch and we're watching a movie or we're binge watching something on Netflix and we feel like our body is in rest, we're still being stimulated. So you're not, you're not really achieving that restful state, are you? No. And I, I mean, I'm all for Netflix and like all of that stuff. I think it's great. And it's a really good, um, yeah, like escape or, I mean, the word numbing seems quite negative. So I don't really want to use that word. But when we're watching a film or reading a book or watching a series, like our nervous system doesn't actually know that that's not happening to us or to somebody that we know. So true. Which is wild, right? So, so like, true. <laughs> yeah. Anything like me, like you're crying at the show or you're yes. really stressed, you know? And so then our nervous system is actually still um yeah it's still really on and firing oh my god of course I'm, I'm just having this like really embarrassing <laughs> like flash of all the things I've watched in the last few days that I thought I've been resting like you know <laughs> Nordic crime and like <laughs> yeah yeah like really really um upsetting romantic dramas I'm like no no that has not been resting my nervous system at all <laughs> yeah and I'm right there with you like as soon as if I'm not feeling well if I'm super tired or something I'll just like you know, I want to watch TV. That's what you want to do because it's like it kind of distracts you if you're not feeling amazing or, yeah. you know, it's just also fun to watch TV and series. But you're particularly if you're quite sick, and this is really interesting, like, you know, I'm really terrible at this, but if you want to heal when you're unwell, you would try to watch as little TV as possible um, because then your body's able to heal much quicker when your nervous system's not in distress. You know? So... I mean, let's just, let's just, I'll just pull the naive card on you or the ignorant card. Mm -hmm. How then, like, how then do we rest? Are we just to lie there with the television off 
and her, <laughs> and her eyes closed and no music playing and just wait. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, so what, what happens? How do we do this? So, I mean, almost the the being unwell or being sick is maybe a separate piece, but as like a maintenance thing um, to really start, because, you know, the idea is we have these really ancient bodies, right? And so back in the day, if something um, stressful happened, you know, like your family was being chased by a tiger, whatever the thing is, um, after that really stressful situation happened where stress is a good thing because it gives you, you know, superhuman strength, you would then kind of come and lie on the earth and like regulate your nervous system back down into that parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state. So you'd heal um, the stress from the body by just, you know, yeah, probably lying on the floor, lying on the earth. Um, and so if we think about just how much stimulus we have now, um, almost as a, a maintenance tool, you know, 20 minutes a day of really just, you know, you can just lie um, on the floor and cover your eyes. But this is where the restorative poses come in is really helpful because they help to make the body more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you're almost the way that you're doing that, you're propping the knees or you're putting the legs over the couch and you're supporting the head. You're also kind of tricking the nervous system into um, pulling yourself down into that state. Even if it doesn't feel like it straight away, like over time, your body starts to learn, oh, there's padding beneath my knees. Oh, my chin is being tilted toward my chest or my chest is lifted. This means that I'm going to go into that restoring state, um, that healing state. Um, so, yeah, you start to like, yeah, trick yourself into, into being there. So I think I, I think that quite a few people kind of blur the lines a little bit between what is a restorative yoga pra- practice and what is a, a yin yoga practice. Mm-hmm. And you, you can do quite a restorative yin class, but yes. but they are separate. They are separate practices. Can you can you describe the difference between the two? Yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting. Like on one hand you can argue that they're so radically different. And then on the other hand, sometimes they feel more similar. Um, and really in many ways, yin, I I see yin as almost an active practice and it depends, you know, what meridian you're working with, or even, I know some people don't even work with meridians in yin yoga. Um, you know, say if you're doing a liver sequence, it's, it feels very active for most people. Whereas if you're doing a kidney sequence, because when we're working with the kidney, uh, chi or meridian energy, then we're actually trying to restore so it can feel more like a restorative pose or a restorative class but um you know overall yin works with sensation you know so whether it is um a deep stretch in like a pigeon um or a low lunge or something or whether it's a kind of a pressure or compression in something like sphinx um or you know you're in the square pose that kind of ankle to knee variation and maybe a lot of like emotions are coming up or heat is coming up so it's all really about sensation and I almost see yin as like you're going into the sensation yeah you know you're using that sensation to stir stuff up maybe I mean again sometimes it can just feel very relaxing but you are working with sensation whereas in restorative you want to remove as much sensation uh, as possible so you know every restorative pose you set up you want to ask yourself, like, how can I make myself more comfortable here? How can I almost feel less 
physically, which can be very confronting for people. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I love, I love being a student in a restorative class because I feel like it gives me permission to fully drop into a pose and get as comfortable as I can, knowing that there is Mm. guidance to pull me out again. Yeah. I find it really tricky to just be on my own in the house and be like, Oh, I'm going to put my legs up the wall and lie here for 20 minutes, you know? And I think, I think this is a struggle for a lot of people because it's like, well, what else could I be doing? Or, you Mm -hmm. know, my brain's not switching off and I'm actually lying here is, is sending in, sending me into such a tizzy that I'm probably better off just getting up and doing it, you know? Um, And so I think that's, what's, that's, what's so, um, special and so valuable about actually attending a restorative class yeah it is nice for someone to kind of like yeah hold the space for you almost take your phone away from you and be like no you're you're here yeah and and instruct instruct that relaxation yes Mm. yeah yeah, because it's, I mean, it's really, it's so funny because it has such a, um, people think of it as so easy, you know, like restorative and it really is, it's really hard. And I think for many people, it's very advanced um, yes. because if, when I first tried restorative, like it was honestly just hell. Like it was, I was just, it was almost like I was trapped in my body, you know, it was really, really uncomfortable. Um, and I think that if you kind of walk off the street with no other um, yoga or meditation or, you know, whatever your practice, you don't have a practice and then you're kind of asked to lie down for 20 minutes. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. How do you rest? What's your restful practice? Yeah. Um, so most days, and I like to use the term most days because I think that it, uh, takes off the pressure like this every day, doing the same thing every day, I think is, um, not super helpful for a lot of us. So that definitely works for some people. So most days I do 20 minutes in a um, restorative pose. And what I do is that I just set the timer on my phone. Um, Usually I have no music, but sometimes I like just when using music, I always say like if it's ambient or maybe even mantra, but it just shouldn't have like a beat or a rhythm or English lyrics. Um, And that's really part of my practice. But then some days it'll be like a whole restorative sequence or it'll be like a yin sequence with a restorative pose at the end. And often I'll do the restorative posture at the end of my kind of practice. But um, pre-isolation days, it would really be what I would do in the afternoon before I taught at night because I generally teach classes in the evening and do um, readings and stuff in the day. And so I always have this, this gap in the afternoon, um, and do a 20 minute pose then. And it's actually a really nice time to practice restorative then because there is, um, within our system, it's called the, I think it's called the post prandial dip, but I'm not hundred percent sure if that's what it is, where our energy actually drops in the afternoon mm. as human beings. We all have this kind of lull, which is why we kind of like sometimes maybe reach for a coffee or something sweet or just get really tired like 3 p.m um and so that's a really nice time to practice restorative and you feel just like so alive and so kind of awake again after that yeah because I think this is the misconception right that doing a restorative practice is going to make you want to go to bed 
Mm. So like I I actually find that I actually need to do some sort of restorative um, pose in the mornings at the moment just because I – that's just where I'm at. (laughs) That's just where I'm at at the moment. But you actually get up from it feeling more energized, not like you want to go to bed. Definitely. I think Mm. a lot of people even say to me they can't do it at night because then they're too awake and they can't Mm. sleep. Yeah. So what's actually happening? What's happening in our body as we start to fall into rest? Like what, yeah. what are we trying to achieve here? <laughs> Not that we're trying to achieve something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell me, right. my Virgo moon wants to know. No. What do I, what's, what's the tick? What's uh, the outcome? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so funny. And this is like, this is one of the really hard things because almost what we're trying to do in, in that rest is let go of control. Yeah. Um, which is, again, so impossible. And I've almost had, like, I've d- done a lot of workshops on this and I've almost had arguments with people, not that I'm argumentative at all, um, who say, like, but what is the mind focusing on, you know? <laughs> is it the breath? Is it a mantra? Is it? Did, and it's like, well, you know, nothing. Um, and, of course, you can use the breath as, a, as, like, an anchor, you know, to, like, keep you pulling back down and into the body. But really, um, in this rest practice, like your mind can wander. And something I really love is one of the first teachers I learned from, um, he's an Iyengar teacher, which is kind of where these restorative postures originate from. And he was also a sleep scientist, which was a really cool combination. So, you know, Iyengar, again, we have this idea that Iyengar is for like old people and it's easy, but Iyengar is super, super tough. And he was Mm you know, really, and he still teaches the, the active stuff and, you know, 20 minute headstand, this whole thing. Um, but as he was doing the sleep research, it became really apparent to him, um, you know, just even people who practice, who have a really strong yoga practice, meditation practice are all still completely fried and exhausted. And so he became much more interested in teaching these restorative asanas. And basically what he said was that when you get into bed at night, if you fall asleep immediately or if you can't fall asleep for a long time, then you're exhausted, right? This is a sign of your body, your nervous system basically being out of balance. And actually, we're supposed to kind of lie there and be awake in this in-between state, which I think most of us um, can relate to. And we need this in-between state to almost process the day Um and it might not be that we're sitting there thinking about our day, but it's just like this in-between state. And it's that place where you can get really good ideas sometimes or really good insights or really yeah. good clarity. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like almost the rest mimics that, that state. Okay. Yeah. And the more we practice rest again, even, you know, I've been doing it for years and some days I hate it so much. I'm just like, oh, like I just... I'm annoyed the whole time. Mm. Um, and then it's good because then I kind of got that irritation out of my system. And then I always got come out like feeling better in the rest of the day. And so sometimes we're lying there for 20 minutes and our mind is just really all over the place. And what this is, is a processing so that at 3 a.m. we don't wake up being like, oh my God, that thing I said last week or, oh my God, this thing is going to fall apart because we've had that yeah that time where we're not taking in new information to deal with what's already in our system Mm. I love this so much for people listening who've never been to a restorative yoga class is there a pose that perhaps you could describe to them over the podcast for Mm -hmm. them to um 
hop into whenever they're listening to this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a, it's, it's quite easy actually. Um, there's a few things you can you can take into consideration when you're doing a restorative uh, pose, and I think a really easy one for everyone to do right now is you just go to the couch, and um, before you get into the couch, I'll just explain it and then go. Um, <laughs> but you just want to pop the almost like the calves onto the couch so that the backs of the knees, the edge of the couch is like wriggled right into the space behind the knees but what you want to do when you come into that pose and you would lie your body down on the floor is a you would want to make sure that you have like carpet underneath you or a yoga mat underneath you or something underneath the back of your body so that it's even and and warm and, and kind of soft um and then you know whenever if you want to rep put the body into a restful place one thing that is really important is that your head and your neck is comfortable And so if you think about like um, trying to sleep on a plane, right, the thing, I mean, I don't know, I'm terrible at this, but, but what often happens if your head and your neck isn't comfortable, you definitely can't fall asleep, right? Your head will just fall. Yeah. You feel like, you know, you feel, yeah, really uncomfortable. Um, And so having the head and the neck supported is like the first thing you can do to put your body into a restful state and also to have the chin kind of just gently tilted toward the chest rather than the chin being open up toward the sky. And even if right now you kind of drop your chin toward your chest and then lift your chin up and you notice that when you drop your chin toward your chest, your eyes close. Mm. And when you lift your chin up, your eyes tend to open. And so having that little tilt of the chin toward the chest sends this signal um, again to the body to, to kind of tone it down. And this doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be in this blissful state, but it's just like piece by piece, step by step. Um, and so supporting your head, popping your lower legs up onto the couch. And then, yeah, you know, you just want to make sure that you're warm um, because when you start to pull the body into a parasympathetic state, a restful state, you get cold, the body temperature lowers. Really um, fast too. Really fast, right? Yeah. You think like, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. So like socks always, cause we lose so much heat through the feet, you know, cover the body with a blanket, cover the eyes. And that's, that's really it. It's really simple. Beautiful. It's like so simple and so unsexy that people are like, no, I don't want to do that. You know? Yeah. And also I'm, I'm not doing anything. So how is this achieving? Right. Anything? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to hop into that pose as soon as we hop off this call. Yes. Have you, what's the sort of the flow on effect um, to other areas of your life, not as a benefit of rest, but how it's sort of influenced the rest of um, the activities or, um, you know, the thing, the way that you approach things in your life? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's an ongoing, I think I love it so much because it's an ongoing battle for me. You know, I'm always doing too much. Like every time I pull my schedule back, I find myself like, full again, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, and so one thing it made very apparent to me is where I was, um, just rushing all day, every day, just constantly rushing, you know? And when I think you spend that time, um, quietly with yourself and then sometimes for the next five minutes, you feel it, but over time it kind of grows. And after you've been in the pose, you kind of feel that, I don't know. It just feels like contentment to me. You kind of move at a 
a better pace that you know you, you notice beautiful things more easily after you've been in rest you know you notice the sunset or you notice yeah that the air is warm or that you know the the oranges in your fruit bowl smell really nice and that sounds like really wanky but it's like you just your, your senses are kind of heightened and you're you're more appreciative and then I think it makes that rushing state just really obvious and so mm. icky it's like why would I do that it yeah. just takes away all the joy I yeah and that. it also tends to make forcing more noticeable as well mm. forcing and controlling yeah now you have um a real love for the Japanese culture yes yeah do they <laughs> are they quite a restful culture yeah it's interesting it's like I think before I had this practice going to Japan because I go there every year apart from obviously this year it seems <laughs> um you know it was almost like going there was my rest or my yoga before I was really into that because there is you know Tokyo and Osaka all the cities are wild and hectic and crazy but everyone is really you know from an outsider's perspective so um mindful you know like even in big crowds there's space for everyone and the crowds kind of move and flow rather than being pushing up against each other in most cases and there is just attention to detail as well you know like and and what I really observed about my friends there and this just could be my friends but they just they do not my friends there they don't rush they're just like they don't rush they're not into all these wellness practices but they're so well yes. you know and they have meals with friends they cook together they eat together all the time they you know like will spend hours like learning how to um embroider something or playing some kind of silly game with each other and just laughing and yeah, no, nothing is rushed. And I sometimes when I get go there after having not seen them for six months or a year, I find myself like very impatient at the beginning and then I kind of ease into it. Um, so it might just be my experience in Japan, but that's definitely something um, that inspires me there. I mean, even in the convenience store, they have like takeaway meals and they're so impeccably put together yeah. that, you know, there's definitely something there in the culture. Where, where did this um, love for Japanese culture stem from? I don't know. You know, I always, I'd always, um, for, as a child, like asked my mom to go there. I don't know because I didn't even watch like Sailor Moon. You know, I, I thought you didn't watch Sailor asked, Moon. What was wrong right. with you? <laughs> I know people asked, did it come from that? And I was like, no, I never watched that until I was, you know, a teenager, or, like oh. like way later. Um, and I went there for the first time when I was eighteen, and I just, yeah, I mean, it sounds really ridiculous, but it was just like part of my soul (laughs) was like oh my god I'm home and I was just like so devastated when I had to leave um from that first trip it was yeah it's just I don't know whether it's like a past life or some kind of like really deep soul connection but it's it screams past life to me yeah that's what that's definitely my feeling yeah Yeah. now Emmy, the other thing that you do as part of your um, work and part of your practice is work with human design. Now, I know human design is such a big thing yeah. <laughs> and I don't expect you to <laughs> unpick it on the podcast, but what, what drew you to work with human design? 
Yeah, again, it was, it's almost like how the restorative thing played out for me because I, I had heard about it, it came into my consciousness and I was like, oh, not another thing. You know, that was my first reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want another thing. And I look, quickly looked at what my type was and I was like, oh, I'm such a, I'm a generator. Oh, I'm such a common type, which is so ridiculous, but that's what I thought. Um, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And then I was in um, Montana in the US, um, in the middle of absolutely nowhere, this little retreat center doing a week of restorative with Judith Lassiter, who's kind of like the queen of, the the real queen of restorative yoga. Um, And so I was on, on this like retreat, middle of nowhere. I was the youngest by probably about 20 years. And um, everyone was going to bed every night at like 7.30 p.m. or something like this, 8 p.m. And so I would find myself just alone, um, you know, in the common room. And I just found myself like sitting with human design one night again. It just came back up again. And then it was almost like a light bulb moment. I think it was because I was in nature. I really... um, All we've been doing all day every day is um, basically restorative yoga um, and being in the sauna or being um, by the lake and like eating all this. Yeah, it was it was heaven. It was also challenging in a way because it was so nothing, you know, like it was really interesting. And so in the evening, I would go onto the Internet um, and just this moment of like looking at the chart and everything just made sense to me. And then finding out every single person's details that I knew and looking at their chart and just like it's almost as if I could just read it like it just completely the language just like came through and I was like oh yep this means that this means that um and just became totally obsessed with it almost overnight um and started yeah like telling all my friends what theirs was and and for I guess for a little while no one paid any attention to it because I just thought I was crazy which tends to be another thing (laughs) until like you know, my life started shifting, I think, because of it. And then people started being like, what are you doing? Tell me about what you're doing. Um, and then, yeah, it, it kind of just happened, you know, and, and people just was like, can you read my chart? People I didn't know were coming through and asking me to read it. So it just itself turned into an offering or to part of the business that I didn't plan. It's so fascinating, human design. I'll have to book a reading with you because I've never, I've never had one done. I've just kind of yeah. fallen into a whole of research myself. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never felt more seen yeah. in my life. You know, yeah. it's just, and I think it is so hard to explain to people who, who haven't sort of um, looked into their own chart or, I mean, how would you even describe human design? Is it, it's based on a few different modalities, yeah, right? A few different modalities come into it. Like, yeah, the chakra system, astrology, the Kabbalah, the tree of life, the I Ching, all this, all this stuff. And pretty much after every reading, people are just like, I feel so seen, so validated. Mm. And, and all this stuff that I knew, but like, didn't allow myself to trust it. Yeah. Um, that that's kind of the biggest like theme that comes up. And really, you know, it's like a map of your energetic body or your system. Um, and what I love about it is it's just really highly practical, you know, and it's like it really tells you um, you know, all these little things that whether routine will work for you or not or how you best make this, like what your strongest intuitive sense is and how you best use your energy and um, it's quite amazing because everyone, people say like if you're a projector, people think like oh my gosh like of course like I've always worked really well 
um, I can always get things done really, really quickly. I don't need the whole day to do the work that somebody else might do. But of course, the way our society yeah. is, is that it's like you've got to work eight hours a day or you're not whatever. Well, that was, that was the clincher for me because I'm a projector mm-hmm. and, and I've never been able to do an eight-hour workday. I just never have. And I, I worked in corporate for so long yeah. and I used to really struggle with it. But I, I get all my work done, but just like in the first couple yes. of hours of the day, yeah. yeah. And even when I started to work for myself and, and rest comes into this because I knew that I had to rest. I knew that I'd done my product, my productive hours, yes. um, but I still kept pushing and pushing. And that mm-hmm. led, led to burnout, you know, and I think, yeah. I think that this is, I mean, it's such a common thing for people, right? Because they're, they're trying to fit into what they think, um, work, work means or, or what, yes. you know, what, um, God, I can't put my words together. What, mm-hmm. what classifies as a proper work day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what really changed things for me with human design was I realized, no, no, you know what, you actually, you actually need to rest. Yes, in order to be more show productive. Up. Yeah. 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 That link to productivity and rest is is quite interesting. We kind of touched on it a little bit before when we spoke about how after rest you can actually feel more energized. Yeah. Um, how have you sort of noticed the link between productivity and, and good mm-hmm. solid rest? Yeah. Um I think it comes through different I, I love the connection between human design and, and rest for these reasons. Like rest for a projector will just mean that yeah like in those two or three hours or whatever four hours that you're working you're just really on and you're there and you're clear and you're getting everything done um and then you know you're able to almost log off for the day and then do whatever you want to do rest watch something on tv go for a walk practice yoga whatever and come back the next day and that that time that you're doing the work is just really on really seeing things really clearly you're getting everything done for a generator it's like um generators can kind of run around all day doing a whole lot of nothing but like being in movement you know being on the computer doing this like trying to do stuff but not really achieving anything and so when a generator rests they're able to like really tap into what they should actually be doing and not like fluffing around half-assing everything. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So it kind of like, it kind of affects everyone slightly differently. Um, But there's absolutely no doubt that rest for every single type in human design or just, you know, whoever you are is going to make you more productive because a generator might be like, well, I don't need rest. You know, like, oh, I rest through doing my high intensity workout. And it's like, yeah, you can do your high, anyone can do a high intensity workout, whatever, it's fine. Um, But when you rest, you'll be so much clear about where you should be putting your energy and where you should be giving your energy and not just letting it kind of fly all over the place. Yeah. And you'll feel much more content, I guess. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I mean, is a good eight hours sleep not enough rest for us? I think everyone's really different. I definitely feel that, um, I don't even want to say just projectors, but definitely people, some people need more sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't think like, you know, and I think particularly with, with women, um, you know, at certain times in the month, you like, you'll need more than eight hours sleep. And maybe on some days for some people, they don't, 
quite need eight hours um, because it also depends on the quality of the sleep, right? Absolutely. So whether, yeah. But I also think that we we live in a, you know, I think probably everyone listening to this podcast or most people, where where people who you know are interested in whatever it is, like our practice or spirituality or self-work or, or all that stuff. And I, I think within this realm, there's a real big guilt around sleeping in. Mm. Um, and I think that can be just so um, important and energizing and, um, yeah, like feel really good when you allow yourself to do that, whether it is once in a while or once a week or once a month. Or, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Emmy, if people want to find out a little bit more about what you do, where is the best place place for them to go? Um, Probably Instagram. So I'm at the daily rest on Instagram. Beautiful. And you're doing online restorative classes at the moment? Yes. Yeah, I have a little like um, online workshop platform. There's like a little collection of rest workshops, which include, you know, the restorative poses and journaling and and all the things under a theme. And then I'm doing a couple of live stream uh, classes a week too. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that I will be resting this afternoon. That's for sure. And I (laughs) hope everyone else will be as well. Um, If you guys are resting and doing the pose that Emmy instructed you to do, please take a photo of it and screenshot it and pop it on your Instagram stories and tag at the daily rest and at Jordana Levine. Um, Thank you so much, Emmy. You're so welcome. So lovely to chat to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.